thought I would uh, share with you tonight a story from the Pali Canon. And I think some commentary or elaboration as I do that might be helpful. And I also think the story stands quite good on its own uh, as, a, as a clear teaching, particularly there is something that the Buddha offers at the at the end that is is quite explicit and uh, as I've been exploring this with uh, students lately more in a one-on-one setting uh, many people are finding that it's that's quite useful to them so I hope that there's some value in it uh, for you also The story is a, uh, one of the Buddha's uh, paternal uh, cousin, uh, Tisa. And uh, Tisa is with a group of other practitioners. Um, and he explains to them that he's not, he's not doing very well. And that he has some concerns. And he says specifically, he addresses his uh, peer group, if you will, and he says, friends, it's as if my body is drugged. I've lost my bearings. Things aren't clear to me. We've probably all been there. Maybe we're there now. My mind keeps being overwhelmed with tiredness and laziness. So there's not a lot of energy or motivation. I pursue the path dissatisfied. So this would have been a, a, a literal reference to the, to the path of Dharma training. I think we could hear it as that and we could, we could, we could see the path more widely as our life. Right? There's, we're not always satisfied. <clears throat> I pursue the path dissatisfied. I have uncertainty about the teachings. Explicitly here he's saying, I'm in a place where I'm not sure about these teachings. You know. And one of the reasons I share, I think I'm choosing to explore this uh, sutta and share this uh, is because I've had some students Recently, and this is quite common. Um, people will come to a place in their practice. Could be in the first year. It could be ten years into these teachings, and someone will come and just say, "I just don't have a lot of motivation." You know, I know we're talking about a daily practice, and I know I've been sitting retreats for the past couple of years, but for some reason, I just it feels harder. You know, the motivation is not there. Sometimes people will say things like, "I'm not getting what I think I." I'm supposed to be getting from the practice. So, one of the people in the group that Tiso was sharing this news with goes back to the Buddha and he and says something to the effect of, "You know, Tiso's having a hard time. You know, he says he's in a bad way and he's kind of disgruntled and he's, you know, sort of losing faith in a sense." So the Buddha says, well, see if you can fetch Tisa and, and, and bring him back. So 
they do, and Tisa comes back, and so now we have the Buddha and Tisa having a conversation. Uh, and what we see is uh, is something we see often in the suttas. The uh, Buddha is now going to ask him a series of questions that sort of provoke or challenge and uh, elucidate a core teaching. The teaching here that's a, uh, being emphasized is the teaching on the five aggregates. Is the aggregates... Um, who knows the aggregate? Who, who, who has heard of the aggregates before is probably a better question. Yeah, okay. So the Buddha basically says to him, is it true, Tisa? You know, is it true that you told a large group of practitioners, large group of friends that you're... <clears throat> that your uh, body is drugged, you've lost your bearings, things aren't clear to you, your mind keeps being overwhelmed with tired and laziness, and that you pursue the path dissatisfied, and that you have uncertainty about the teachings. And Tisa confirms that this is true. So, the Buddha goes on to say, what do you think, Tisa? What do you think? Is one, so he asks Tisa a very specific question, is one who is not without passion, desire, thirst, fever, and craving for form, does there arise, let me start over, in one who is not without passion, desire, thirst, fever, and craving for form, Does there arise sorrow, lamentation, pain, distress, and despair from change and alteration in his form, his or her form? And Tisa says, yes. And the Buddha says, good. Good, Tisa. You know, essentially, okay, you got it right. And then the, the, the Buddha goes on through the same line of questioning for all the other aggregates. Feeling, perception, fabrication, and consciousness. And each time, Tisa agrees and the Buddha acknowledges his wisdom. So, at this point in the story, um, what the Buddha is quizzing Tisa on is the the role of uh, dispassion, which is a, a term we get a lot in these so we're being invited through our uh, neutral, supposedly or purportedly, it's possible that we, we, we can observe phenomena uh, with a neutral disposition, right? Not getting over-absorbed in the content, not identifying, not over-identifying, right? We can see the complexities of mind in physical phenomena as an impersonal sensory object that's coming and going. It's simply something that we're aware of. Right? So what the Buddha says is um, when we have passion, when we have attachment, when we have craving, when we have clinging, to any of these phenomena, 
described as form, feeling, perception, fabrication, and consciousness, suffering is going to result. It's like an arithmetic problem. It's guaranteed. Right? So, the, instead of reading the whole sequence in this dialogue, I'll just say that, the, as I think I already did, that the Buddha just asks Tisa this, the very same question for all of the five aggregates. Okay? And then, and then, as is also often in these suttas, then the Buddha just inverts the question. Now, what do you think, Tisa? Is one who is without passion, desire, thirst, fever, and craving for form, does there arise sorrow, lamentation, pain, and despair from change and alteration in this form? And Tisa says, no. And the Buddha says, good. That's how it is for one who is without passion for form. The teaching is not saying don't be passionate about life or people or things, but rather um, to take a dispassionate stance. We're not overly engaged or overly invested. We're not being seduced by life. We're not being seduced ultimately by our mind. We're not being seduced by mental phenomena, thoughts, feelings, emotions, ideas, concepts, values. And the reason for this, as the Buddha makes clear, is that these, these things are inconstant. They're not fundamentally reliable. The phenomenal world is not fundamentally reliable by way of this impermanence. Right? It doesn't mean we can't trust people. It's not that kind of unreliable. Uh, simply things don't stay the same. Right? And if we're not living in harmony with the law of impermanence, suffering is inevitable. So then the, the Buddha quizzes... The, the Buddha next quizzes Tisar on his knowledge of the three characteristics. Are some people familiar with the three characteristics? A couple people, yeah. So this is a very short passage in the sutta. What do you think, Tisa? Is form constant or inconstant? What's the answer? It's inconstant. The water is moving. If we, since this is a, this fountain is operated with electricity, if we were to pull the plug, the water would become more still. The physical body is always changing. My experience of it is relative what I put in it. It's relative the clothing that I'm wearing. That's relative my activity level. I have uh, um, some swelling right here, and any movement at the wrist hurts. I was moving a lot of stone over the weekend, and I must have pulled a tendon or something, right? And 
um, probably with some ice and some ibuprofen, probably by next week, this part of my physical experience will have changed. Right? Same is true for moods and attitudes. Right? So nothing seems to last. <coughs> So what do you think, Tisa? Is form constant or inconstant? And Tisa says, it's inconstant. Uh, It's always changing. And the Buddha says, and this is really important, the Buddha says, and is that which is inconstant easeful or stressful? And Tisa says, it's stressful. And the Buddha says, very good. And then he says, and is it fitting then to regard what is inconstant, stressful, subject to change as this is mine, this is myself, this is what I am? And Tisa says, no, it's not. And so the Buddha acknowledges that this is is wisdom. So if something is inconstant, how can it be I? How can it represent me? How can something that is not fixed or solid fundamentally be who I or we are? That's the, that's the underlying question. That's the koan that we're grappling with if, we're, if we take up an interest in the Dharma. <clears throat> So what the Buddha then does to close this this part of the story is he brings together his line of questioning around the aggregates and the few questions around the three characteristics. And he says, I I guess I don't have it. Um, I don't have the quotation here. So he basically asks Tisa if the aggregates are constant or inconstant. Reminding him that if he mistakenly takes them as constant, they will cause stress. And likewise, that it is inaccurate to take them as the self, and that doing so is unfitting for one's well-being. Okay? So... Since the aggregates are new to many people in the room, just, just briefly, sort of a cliff note primer on the aggregates. The first aggregate is form, which I just spoke a little bit about. That's fairly self-explanatory, form. We, can, we, can, we see form with the eye. Um, feelings are the basic experiences we have that are either pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. And we're having those experiences all the time. So we have form, feeling. Perception is the interpretive filter, right? So if I looked out of the corner of my eye and the room was not well lit and there was an extension cord over there in the corner, I might think snake. That's my perception, right? I don't know that it's an extension cord. In fabrication... Uh, fabrication is where we see the relationship between 
perception and what comes next. Well, well, what comes next is fabrication. So fabrication, we can consider um, what's latent, what, what might be. So if my <coughs> perception of snakes, irregardless of whether there's really a snake there, my perception is that there is, if the perception is that there's a snake and I was bit by a snake as a young person, the fabrication might be fear or the fabrication might be the idea or the notion that the thing itself is bad. Right? Okay. <clears throat> and then consciousness, the, the fifth aggregate, is, is the coming together of form, feeling, perception, and fabrication, right? Sort of the sum. This is all, this is all the product of consciousness, right? So without consciousness, there's no form, feeling, perception, fabrication. Right? So, what does any of this have to do with Tisa having a bad day? <laughs> <laughs> Or generally feeling like uh, he's he's lost his way in some you know maybe uh, maybe he's been distraught for months. He's not just having a bad day. Maybe he's at a turning point in his life, and uh, things are very very difficult. Uh, I was talking to a student today and video conference and they were not in a usual environment and I said where are you and they and they were in another state very far away from the state they live in and I said well what happened and they said well things are really bad at home and I had to leave I had to actually get on a plane and go really far away so uh, we, a very devoted practitioner with a lot of experience uh, with these teachings and so we we know that uh, we have these uh, Episodic times of difficulty, and sometimes they're very quick. Sometimes they can last for a long time. And Tisa is in one of these, one of these states. And <clears throat> what the Buddha is is doing is very interesting. He he's not criticizing Tisa, and he doesn't approach Tisa as if his practice has been unsuccessful in any way. Right? He doesn't see Tisa as any different than someone who presents. Uh, contented or wise or, or skillful. And also, essentially, what he's doing is he's saying, it actually doesn't matter. What matters is your interpretation and relationship to the thing that is difficult. And he's reminding Tisa that the identification is the Problem, that if he sees even his own difficulty, even his own tiredness, even his own, maybe their shame, having lost his way, um, that if he simply sees that in the context of impersonal, uncontrollable, impermanent aggregates subject to these three marks of existence, just like that, Tisa's free. Already the underlying distress can lift and maybe even be gone. So we can be <clears throat> we can be engrossed in 
suffering, and if we just see the identification with it, we can be free. The other way this story works, and I'll read you the I'll read you the end of it, and this is the part that I think really doesn't need any commentary or, or translation. <clears throat> the Buddha also just sees Tisa as going through uh, a very natural stage in development, which I would imagine that the Buddha had seen time and time and time again, probably with himself, within himself, and probably within many of the students that he was that he was training. And he basically says, this is how the path is. You know, it's sometimes pretty bumpy, sometimes unclear, there's not a lot of motivation, the teachings don't make sense, you feel like you're not learning anything, you lose your faith, okay, no problem. So first, with regard to seeing the aggregates, or seeing them uh, with clarity, uh, relating to them more dispassionately, seeing that they are subject to the three characteristics, the Buddha says, seeing thus, the instructed disciple, or the instructed practitioner, of the noble ones, one who is studying the path, grows disenchanted with form, disenchanted with feeling, we can read not identified with. Disenchanted with perception, disenchanted with fabrication, and disenchanted with consciousness. Through disenchantment, they become dispassionate. Through dispassion, they are fully released. With full release, there is the knowledge, fully released. It's a very interesting language. It's not, I am fully released. The I is, that whole notion is gone. With full release, there is the knowledge, comma, fully released. They discern that birth is ended. No more recreation of suffering states. The holy life is fulfilled. This means that the, the, the high goal of the practice has been met and achieved. There is nothing further for this world. There is both nothing left to do and there is no more grasping for anything in the material world. And then to, to close in, in regard to this idea that we sometimes just end up feeling stuck, the Buddha says, Tisa, it's as if there were two people, one not skilled in the path, the other skilled in the path. <clears throat> Explaining a, a little bit of a sort of a mentor-student dynamic. In that case, the person not skilled in the path would ask the person skilled in the path about the path. The second person would say, Come, my good friend, this is the path. Go along it a little further and you will see a fork in the road. Avoiding the left fork, take the right. Go along a little further and you will see an intense forest grove. 
So there's what would an intense forest grove is sort of like this, the place or the state that Tisa was describing. There's an intensity. Go along a little further and you'll see a large marshy swamp. Right? It's all metaphor. Go along a little further and you will see a deep drop-off. So invariably, there's difficulty. Because remember, the Buddha is saying, go this way. And the Buddha is saying, if, if you follow this path, an intense forest grove, a large marshy swamp, and deep drop-offs. However, go along a little further, and you will see a delightful stretch of level ground indicating um, ease or equanimity. Right? So we, we, we tend to get, uh, many of us, uh, tend to over-identify when uh, we're not meeting our own expectations. Uh, we tend to over-identify um, during times when we're not doing well. Right? And what the Buddha is saying is that those are uh, those are inevitable stages, and that they are not necessarily a marker of not going in the right direction. And yet, the encouragement is to continue going along. The idea being that there'll be perhaps a delightful stretch of level ground. Okay, that's my story. <laughs> It's the story of Tisa and the Buddha and Tisa's bad day. <laughs>